0: It's November 30th, 2022. Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe right here on Hawaii Public Radio, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, I have invited Issa Moffitt. She is the Broadband Mapping Project Manager over at the uh, uh, Hawaii County. And she's going to join me, and we're going to talk about the uh, new FCC maps and what it means for uh, our delivery of, of broadband and the last mile. And of course, then we'll be joined by Celeste Connor, and she's going to give us an update on the Hawaii green growth, not and not only Hawaii green growth, but uh, she's also at the Hawaii Sustainability Summit. So we want to get a get a read on what's happening over there. With that, I want to welcome Issa Moffat and of course, as I said earlier, broadband mapping project manager, and and uh, she's been uh, super instrumental in doing a lot of great stuff on for Hawaii County. And she's here about, uh, to talk about the FCC broadband maps. And welcome to the show, Issa.
1: Hey, Bert. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, now Isa, you know, the um, FCC, you know, they've been talking about broadband maps for the longest time. And, and for the longest time, it's been based on something referred to as the uh, you know, 477, which is basically census blocks. But, uh, you know, what do the new maps show?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, So the FCC, for those that don't know, is the Federal Communications Commission. Um, They're essentially in charge of all of broadband and showing how it works. Uh, Their new maps basically show uh, where fixed broadband is available and where it is not. And so fixed broadband is cable, fiber, fixed wireless, so your provider like charter, for example. Um, and then there's another map as well that shows mobile uh, providers, so 3G, 4G, 5G um, providers such as Verizon.
0: Okay, okay. And so uh, the, with the new maps, I guess, uh, you know, what is it that people can now actually look at? I mean, is it uh, down to the the level of resolution that people can see structures and homes and get an idea as to what kind of service is available?
1: Absolutely, and I think that's a really key part to this. Is you can actually go down and search by your address, and you can see what type of uh, fixed broadband is available at your home address, um, along with uh, mobile broadband. Um, so go to the broadband.fcc.gov webpage, type in your address, and uh, see what your address pulls up.
0: And and why why is this important? I mean, what what significance is this? You know, in this process of federal funding and, you know, there's all kinds of announcements. In fact, there was an announcement today about the uh, NTIA, National Telecommunications Information Administration, and their award to, to Hawaii for some uh, broadband planning. Uh, but what do these maps really kind of boil down to? What does, it, what does it really mean outside of just looking at your, you know, your street address?
1: Yeah, totally. I think bridging off of the street address, um, it's really challenging what the providers actually submitted to the FCC. So we're trying to understand, is that information accurate? And why that becomes important is because it's going to be used for the BEAD program. And the BEAD program is the Broadband Equity Access and Deployment Program which is going to provide $42.45 billion to expand high-speed internet. And that's important for us to determine the accuracy of this information because that money is going to go to the state and then down to the counties in order to expand high-speed internet. Um, Another really important part is this is just such a glaring equity issue that was definitely underscored during the pandemic. Um, some people would even say it's a civil rights issue um, that mostly impacts marginalized communities who are unserved or underserved in terms of infrastructure. Um, so we know that internet at homes, um, access to education and telehealth workforce and our social connections with our loved ones are really dependent on what type of fixed broadband and also uh, mobile connections that we have at our homes.
0: You know, that's that's really well said, uh, Issa. And the team that you have on the Big Island, I mean, you've really uh, taken it upon yourself to look at these resources, galvanize the community, pull in, you know, others that are part of the county and and, uh, you know, local government. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's happening, you know, on the Big Island as uh, as you folks lean into this.
1: Oh, yeah, it's such a good team. And really shout out to you, Bert, um, for bringing this matter to the state and getting that office ready to go. Um, my coworker, Riley, really noticed that effort and brought it to the county um, as a really important subject matter, um, which really propelled uh, the hiring of our digital equity specialist and also me as a contractor. Um, I get to use my GIS skills to really kind of collaborate and represent this information in a spatial way. Um, and we also have a lot of awesome members and partners on our team. Um, one of them is the U.S. Digital Response Agency, who's helping us formulate a methodology for challenging this data. Um, and I'd like to kind of get into our two approaches for those challenging, but I also want to shout out to UAMO and FEMA and Haima and Vibrant and so many others who are really put a lot of energy into helping us get to where we are right now.
0: And Eso, do you, what, what is it that you would recommend people to do? Listeners that are checking out the show, checking out the website, what would you like them to actually do?
1: Yes, absolutely. Go to the FCC National Broadband Map, search for your address, uh, see what that information says. If it looks like it's an uh, accurate Uh, submit each challenge, Um, I encourage you to reach out to us at the county, uh, stop into our office, call us, we'll help you through that process, um, and really get uh, the accurate information that we need in that map. And hopefully this map becomes even more accurate right now, because what this map is showing is that most homes actually are uh, served by broadband. And I think anecdotally and also with our local data that we've collected, we know that's just not true. And so it's really going to depend on people looking up their addresses and submitting accurate information. And on our part at the county, we want to help our community members do that. And then we also want to take a top-down approach and really uh, take it upon us to geospatially look at this information and submit a uh, bulk file to that. So we're really counting on people to, to look up their addresses in and look at this information. And uh, we're really counting on us and our partners to, to really do that top-down approach as well. So we'll hit them from both
0: ends. That's great. That's great. Now, and Isa, I'll put up the uh, links, uh, the pertinent links for people to check out, as well as uh, some of the the cool kind of one page instructions that you folks did for individual challenges. If, if people are inclined to, to submit that, but Issa, I want to, I want to thank you. I want to thank, you know, Doug Adams. I want to thank Mayor Roth for for pulling, pulling all of you folks together and and having the dedicated effort on the big island. You guys are doing some great stuff. And so Issa, mahalo for joining us. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Bert.
0: And, of course, uh, we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Celeste Connor, Executive Director of Hawaii Green Growth. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to Bite Mark's Cafe on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm happy to welcome Celeste Connor, calling all the way from the Big Island as well. Executive Director of Hawaii Green Growth, and uh, she's here to tell us about what's happening in 2023 with uh, all the projects that she's working on, as well as what's going on on the Big Island with this Hawaii Sustainability Summit. Hey, Celeste, welcome to Bite Mark's Cafe.
2: Hello, Herbert. Delighted to be here.
0: Now, now, did you are are you uh, going to go check out the volcano?
2: You know, I think it's one of those things that the weather's pretty good here, and you can see it from wherever you are. Oh, wow. Um, we'll be pretty tied up with the summit here. I think we have a full program, so I'll just have to take in the view from
0: afar. <laughs> okay, so so Celeste, maybe we'll start off with uh, you telling me a little bit about what this uh, Hawaii Sustainability Conference is all about.
2: It's great, you know, and also this builds on the conversation you're having with Issa. The mayor is showing really tremendous leadership, Mayor Mitch Ross, in convening, it's actually the second sustainability summit that he's convening. He did pull together the first one virtually, Mm -hmm. um, directly following uh, when he took over in office. And this is the second one. It's really focused on implementation. It's focused on the near-term actions that communities can do together. And so it's a three-day summit, actually. They're bringing experts from across the islands, all local experts, that are in the field doing actual work across the six Aloha Plus Challenge goals across energy, doubling local food, natural resource management, waste reduction, smart, sustainable communities. And so it's actually quite exciting uh, to have the opportunity to interact with everybody here uh, on Hawaii Island.
0: And so is is the outcome or the objective for the Hawaii uh, Sustainability Summit, is it uh, for the most part, uh, pretty much localized to the Big Island.
2: Uh, no, actually, I think it's statewide, um, and we're deriving you know inspiration from Hawaii Island certainly, mm-hmm. but also across the state. Hawaii Green Growth, we're a statewide um, network, and so I think there are a lot of other statewide partners that are coming together. And we really learn from each other. You know, um, the mayors, actually, and and the governor and the legislature, they're all signatories to the Aloha Plus Challenge. Mm -hmm. And so while we'll see some really exciting examples here on Hawaii Island, uh, the ambitions are certainly far greater and actually not limited to Hawaii. Um, Things that we're doing here are nationally and globally relevant.
0: Well, you know, Celeste, the work that you have done to really kind of galvanize the support for the you know the United Nations uh, sustainability, sustainability development goals, I mean it's quite tremendous. I mean I I uh, I look to you as an example of how to pull stuff together and and make things happen.
2: You know we're having this conversation um, directly following the climate negotiations in Egypt, and it's those situations where you leave those negotiations and you have to scratch your head and wonder when does any of the implementation take right, place Right,
0: right, right. And,
2: and where do we get the inspiration so I think the summit is perfectly timed for that you know right away we know that we have a 2030 timeline that goes to a broader 2050 timeline of the long-term goals and mm-hmm. and really the solutions need to be at the local level and community driven mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so I, I think that in order to achieve these global goals we're going to actually have to look for local solutions. The solutions I think are right here in Hawaii,
0: and a, a lot of those solutions are already underway, right? I mean, uh, you know, a lot of the work has already started. So it's kind of bringing bringing attention to those projects and, and perhaps uh, identifying whether where where they can scale and how how can you know the the communities beyond where they're currently implemented uh, take advantage of this.
2: Absolutely. In fact, um, in Hawaii, of course, we take inspiration from um, Hawaiian indigenous knowledge and wisdom and over a thousand years of systems thinking. The ahupua'a model is your original circular economy. Uh, the, the island economy is the original circular economy. And so I think as the world is looking to solutions to achieve these global goals, which are quite ambitious, you know, they look at doubling local food and, and housing, um, reducing poverty and education. And in order for us to be successful in any one of these goals, we need to be successful in the other goals. So we're better to look for solutions than in an island economy where we know naturally, I think, the way we interact with each other, with our communities. It's about looking for synergies and trade-offs and how we actually work together for collective impact. And so absolutely, these projects have been underway, a lot of them. And so how do we uh, get further resources for these projects? How do we look at scaling that impact?
0: Mm-hmm, um, so mm-hmm.
2: that others can benefit from that.
0: Well, and, you know, a lot of that uh, scaling and, and where resources might be available kind of came up during the, the uh, annual partnership. But before we get into some of those details, uh, maybe give us a little, ba- maybe a little background on, on Hawaii Green Growth because uh, there may be some folks that might uh, be unfamiliar with Hawaii Green Growth and uh, the sort of like the, the main objectives and goals that uh, you've set for the organization.
2: Hawaii Green Growth, Bert, is a public-private partnership, so it includes partners from across the private sector, civil society, and government, so truly working in harmony. And together, um, it's over a decade old. It was actually launched during the U.S.-hosted Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Meeting in Honolulu, and the the priority for that particular APEC summit was on a green growth recovery from the COVID crisis, excuse me, from the financial crisis. Right, and now a decade right, later, we right, have the COVID crisis. Right. Uh the lessons learned are certainly relevant and then together as a network in 2014 prior to the un sdgs being agreed they came together and agreed on the aloha plus challenge a statewide commitment to achieve six uh, sustainability goals by 2030 and so as a network we set priorities together and work towards those goals with very specific concrete actions Um, and we do this through a process of working groups that meet quarterly that are co-chaired by uh, leaders in our community and again really looking for areas where we can create synergies and collective action.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are, there, are there any uh, particular projects you want to bring attention to that have uh, uh, taken place over the course of time that you've been involved in, and how they are basically setting an example of, of what, what um, you know, other projects should emulate?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the most I think that one interesting project right up front is to talk about the dashboard. You know, Environmental Funders Group has been huge supporters of that and all of our partners because they say you measure what matters.
1: Mm-hmm. And so part
2: of what we did as a community is to go and into the communities and discuss about what was what matters to those specific communities and how are we measuring the progress? How are we providing transparency and accountability? And making sure that we're getting to these goals. So the dashboard itself has been a collective effort. Um, You know, it's not just measuring, but it's actually driving action. It's encouraging behavior change. And if we need behavior change across every sector of our society to avoid the most catastrophic impacts of climate change Mm -hmm. within this decade, Bert, we're going to need to figure out ways of actually making that easy. I think the data, and this is certainly something you're a leader in, um, matters. So the dashboard itself is is quite innovative. And, in fact, um, through the partnership with Esri, we have been able to scale this. We're actually working on a dashboard lab, which I can speak to a little bit later. Um, but how are we engaging our youth in creating jobs, green jobs, that we can do from our home in Hawaii mm-hmm. uh, that is looking at the data um, and, again, helping other island economies um, develop their own dashboards to track progress on their own locally and culturally appropriate goals.
0: You know, you bring up a great point. The dashboard is a tool that you can look at, and and it sort of gives you a sense of of where where uh, various uh, measures are. But I think your point is is really well taken because you're not only publishing a dashboard, but you're you're actually driving the projects that inform what that dashboard then reveals. So. It's it's not just okay, guys. Just put up your numbers, and we'll put it up on a dashboard. It's like you also get into the weeds and get the projects going that help to inform what that dashboard is going to now, uh, you know, share with everybody else.
2: Yeah, the, absolutely, Bert. The dashboard can inform policy and legislation. It can inform specific actions. You know, for example, uh, two years ago we submitted the voluntary local review to the United Nations, mm-hmm. which is essentially. Hawaii's contribution to achieve the global goals. And we're still the first and only state to submit a statewide report, and we'll be submitting a second report in 2023. But this is really a benchmark report. It's a snapshot in time where the dashboard, you can actually look at the data, um, uh, real-time data, right? Mm -hmm. the best Mm -hmm. data that we have. If you look at our 30 30 by 30 marine management goal, uh, you can see that we're not entirely on track to meet that for example. And and what does that number show us? What steps can we take to increase stewardship in that area? What partners are actually leading? How can we make sure that we get more resources to the partners that are working to achieve our 30 by 30 initiative? The same would apply to clean energy, where in fact, we're actually doing um, quite well. We're on track to meet our 2030 goals. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that we need to um, slow our ambition. We can actually increase our ambition. So the dashboard does more than just show us data, it actually can really drive behavior change, even down to the local level. And that's something that I'm really delighted that Mayor Roth has embraced and our other mayors, our Aloha Plus signatories, is the localized dashboards that mm-hmm. individuals and families can sign on to.
0: You know, uh, I, I do want to uh, ask you a little bit more about some of the, I guess, projects that will roll out during 2023, especially as a result of the, uh, you know, the annual partnership event. So, uh, I'll I'll hold that thought, and of course uh, we'll be right back of this uh, short break to continue our conversation with Silas Connor, executive executive director of Hawaii Green Growth. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Bavarian Motor Experts and Shamanad University. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe on HPR One. I'm Bert Lum. If you're just joining us, we have Celeste Connor, she's the executive director of Hawaii Green Growth, uh, on with us. And of course, we're learning about all the projects. I think that uh, keep us keep us on track for uh, achieving some of the UN sustainability goals. And and of course, uh, you know, right before the break, uh, Celeste, you were talking about the dashboard and and how the dashboard not only informs you know how we are doing, but it also it also, I think, encourages uh, the projects that provide the data to keep, <laughs> keep on building upon the momentum. And, and, and Celeste, one of the things I wanted to ask you is how are you making sure that you know, the, the next administration uh, kind of stays on track with the, the goals and the momentum you've already built uh, to this point? So I think a lot of your work is making sure that uh, we, we, we don't stop. We just keep going.
2: That's right, Bert. It's it's a collective commitment. Um, Hawaii Green Growth is a network of over 150 individuals and institutions, and we've been so delighted to see the leadership of our elected officials really embrace the commitment as they enter into their administrations. For example, Governor Abercrombie launched the Aloha Plus Challenge mm-hmm.
0: right. as a
2: signatory, and Governor Ige embraced that and actually made it uh, much you know better. Worked on that uh, to meet his goals, and we've seen. The same thing happened with different transitions with our our mayors we're delighted that uh, governor-elect green has um, expressed strong support for the aloha plus challenge and sustainability including um, areas in, in um, climate change and also in housing and so i think there are lots of opportunities for our elected officials to look at these broad goals to see how it can advance their specific agenda um, and really demonstrate leadership by listening to the network um, and the areas of, of the priorities, whether it's biosecurity. Uh, you mentioned some of them are biosecurity strategy, looking at programs that have been really impactful, like the Aloha Connects Innovation, mm-hmm. and certainly your work, uh, Bert, with broadband. It's critically important to achieve the SDGs. In fact, I would say one of the essential pillars. And so so delighted uh, to share this um, time with you and Issa as well. Um, but also looking at doubling local food, you know, the fact yeah. that we need the food systems plan, Um, What are some of the barriers that we can actually look at? And if anything, COVID demonstrated that we need to look at more localized supply chains. Mm -hmm. And so one of the exciting areas that I've seen is the Sustainability Business Forum, the group of over 26 CEOs that have actually also embraced the Aloha Plus Challenge and the SDGs. And they'll be doubling down on energy efficiency and looking to support the local food goal.
0: And and uh you know you uh we were all part of the annual partnership event and and I think that was a great uh, bringing together of, <clears throat> of of folks in the community and 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 coming up with ideas. What was uh what was some of your sort of big takeaways and and how do you envision implementing any of that uh during during the next calendar year?
2: Yeah, that was quite exciting. We partnered with the Brookings Institute and Rockefeller Foundation on the 17 Rooms initiative where we Literally broke out into, or figuratively, in seventeen tables mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. with experts to identify specific actions that we want to take in the next twelve to eighteen months and and keep those synergies going. And I think what was actually quite exciting, Bert, was the youth engagement and component of that. We had over one hundred and seventy-five youth representatives participating in the annual event, and including a panel discussion where um, I was so impressed by our young leaders who are very pragmatic and yet. Continue to be positive um, and the efforts that they're taking, the, the future that they want for Hawaii and Island Earth. So I think what will be significant about the upcoming voluntary local review that we'll be submitting to the United Nations is it will actually include our youth perspectives and voices um, as their um, their leadership is critically important. So we're looking forward to that and taking these, these specific initiatives forward, um, including Tomorrow at the summit, mm-hmm. and we'll be breaking out uh, into different discussion groups, and there'll be panel discussions and keynotes. And I think the issue is how are we even further distilling the action that we want to take, so we really enter into 2023 on the right foot.
0: Well, that's exciting stuff. And you know, there's a bunch of projects that uh, are I, you sort of teased out uh, earlier, and and one of them was the uh, the dashboard lab. So, how does the dashboard lab work, and and where does that fit into? you know, all the other projects that you're working on?
2: You know, I think one of the issues that we need to look at is how do we increase green jobs and workforce here in Hawaii, especially for our youth? And and again, COVID has shown us that we can do these types of jobs, a lot of these jobs virtually, and how are we equipping our young leaders with the skills that they need, um, particularly in the data arena? And so the, the Aloha Plus Challenge Dashboard Lab, we have launched a pilot program, so we're accepting um, applications now And it's really to help with meaningful workforce training on sustainable development, policy, and data, um, including project management. There'll be mentorship um, and certainly building relationships with our our broader network and local organizations. We do have a MOU with Esri, a leader in ArcGIS and Mm -hmm. geospatial mapping. And so we think these are some of the skills that um, younger leaders will actually in the high school, excuse me, college students um, that should be applying for the dashboard lab program.
0: And, and how many students are you thinking of taking on during this during this pilot?
2: The pilot is, I think it's limited to 30 at the moment. So it's not that many, but we are looking to scale this. It does remind me of something that we did at the beginning of COVID. Bert. We did a survey to our entire network and we identified over 10,000 green growth jobs that were available right now with federal funding forthcoming at about $535 million. That's something that we're looking to do um, with the upcoming IRA funding, the immense opportunity for federal funding for our partners and their projects. And so if you think about it, there are jobs that are available right now, um, should funding be available, that are really working towards achieving our statewide sustainability goals. So we think that the Dashboard Lab is one, that it can actually um, provide a a pathway for employment. I mentioned Aloha Connects Innovation earlier as well. Mm -hmm. So these are all really exciting opportunities.
0: Now, the... Resources that you just mentioned—you said federal federal funding—are you looking closely at the Inflation Reduction Act and how that might uh, apply to various projects uh, to achieve some of these goals?
2: Absolutely. You know, this is a tremendous opportunity that we all need to take advantage of and and learn from each other. And I've been really excited to see how our different partners are working with each other, um, partnering to identify different funding opportunities. And that's exactly what we want to do. We. We say it a lot, we leave a lot of federal funding on the table each year, but this is an opportunity that we shouldn't miss. And I think, um, again, working together, we can increase the pie here in Hawaii. We can leverage the great work that we're doing. The world is hungry for these types of solutions, but we have those solutions. We need to export our knowledge, right, and import resources that can help us do that.
0: Yeah, and, of course, uh, you know, we're just – you know, on the tip of the iceberg in terms of the projects that you're all working on? I mean, uh, of course, we're down to about the last minute, uh, Celeste, and, you know, Local 30 Hub. I mean, we we haven't gotten even a chance to talk about that.
2: This is actually very exciting. The United Nations has recognized Hawaii's efforts in this, and there are only eight Local 2030 Hubs in the world. Um, Hawaii is the only Local 2030 Hub in, in the United States, and that's, the recognition, as you said earlier, about the um, ongoing and history of sustainability, successful projects in Hawaii based on indigenous knowledge and wisdom, systems thinking. And so I think going forward, we're going to hear more from the international community wanting to know what's happening at things like the summit that will take place tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And the hub it provides a platform to scale that.
0: And um, so, Celeste, so, yeah. so, so I'm going to put up uh, some of the links, so I'll, I'll depend on you to send me all the links that, that you're referring to. And I'll put them put them up on the show notes for later on tonight. And I want to much, much mahalo, Celeste, for you joining me today.
2: Bert, thank you so much. Thanks for your leadership and all of your work.
0: Thank you. And Celeste Connor is the Executive Director of Hawaii Green Growth. And, of course, uh, she's going to be launching a number of projects, including the, uh, the Dashboard Lab as well as the Local 2030 Hub. And I want to thank her to, uh, uh, for joining us today. And, of course, thank you for listening to Bite Marsh Cafe. Join us next week when we will talk to our favorite gadget geeks if you missed any part of this edition you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org if, uh, of course uh, our engineer is David Chong you can catch us on HBR1 every Wednesday or anytime via the HBR app or your favorite podcast application you stay safe and you stay awesome we'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Mars Cafe stay tuned reveal is next